Kia ora koutou. welcome to another episode of Inside Netball on Sky Sports. Storm Purvis here and today we'll, we will be welcoming in former Silver Fern coach Yvonne Willering to discuss her recent comments she made in the media about the state of the ANZ Premiership. But before we get to that, round four of the competition has been done and dusted. I've got Jenny Woods and Anna Stanley here to talk with me about it. And I don't know about you guys, but I thoroughly enjoyed round four. It was a doozy, wasn't it? Lots more uh, games that were closely contested, apart from that Tactics Magic blowout of 17 goals. They were all within five, so um, Tactics getting two from two at the top of the ladder. Uh, for me, it was a round of the shooters. I was really impressed with the performances of Bailey Mears and Ekanasio in that game on Saturday night uh, against the Steel. You know, to come away shooting 93% Mears was on that Saturday. She backed it up with 94%. Um, in the game on Monday night against the Tactics. Uh, so, you know, if she can continually can produce those sorts of performances, is she going to be in the picture for the Silver Ferns? And then you've got Leah Dunn, who shot 43 from 43, Wiki 46 from 46. So those two 100% games, I think, from Todd Miller were the 17th and 18th 100% games in ANZ history. So Ooh. some pretty impressive uh, shooting stats from the round. Notice you had a little side eye to Jenny Woods then when you said <laughs> Bailey Mears. I know, and I feel like I mean yes, I I, I mean I do, I do like Bailey's play, but it makes me always feel as though now what's she going to do when or what am I going to say when she has a bad game? But um, yes, and I, I actually did that game, and I thought the good news for the Steel was they got their first point. Woo, they're, they're on the board. board. They're, they're on, on the board, board, and I was willing them to get within. I mean, you know, just quietly um, to get within five. Uh, just so that you would get that that bonus point, but interesting, you know, because that was so a magic win, 54-49. But then they got done, yeah. uh, and I wonder. Is that a truer picture of uh, where the steel are? In that, yes, they're close to the magic, but probably, I mean, what will happen when they play the tactics again? I'm not sure when they do, but uh, you know, I I still fear for them a little bit. Well, it's interesting you talk about the magic because. Just last round, they beat the Mystics by one, who have the chance to go possibly clear at the top of the table next week with, with this round, sorry, with two games. So the Magic are just so strange for me at the moment. Mm. I don't understand how they can, you know, beat the Premiership favourites, then lose to the Tactics by 17, have a close game against the Steel. What's going on there? Well, I think, I think defensively, I think defensively on um, Monday night, I thought Makaire and Takarangi just weren't weren't up to it against Dunn and Selby Ricker. I thought the attack end actually did reasonably okay. And we talk a lot about um, Mez and Ekinasia. I actually think the midcourt for the Magic aren't doing too doing too bad. Simone Wilbur in at wing attack. Um, you've got Edgecombe who's been coming in at centre with Kirsten. They've actually been providing some good ball. But I think defence end for the Magic has been an area and I think always will be an area of their weakness. And I think that really showed on Monday night against against the Tactics. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. I mean, I think Takarangi is amazing in that she, you know, she just, we always say this, punches above her weight and all that sort of thing, and you easy to underestimate. She's a bit like a... Um, I think she's a bit like Kate Burley. I was just going to say, yeah. she's a Kate Burley or a Courtney Elliott, yeah. who I misfortunately called Billy Elliott. The other day. <laughs> no, you didn't. But he was a great jumper too, so anyway, <laughs> moving, riding, moving right along. But... Um, I, the one thing that I thought about the tactics, though, I just wonder, are they 
starting to find their groove mm. because you know they had the, I think are they the team with the most changes I think they are uh, yes. Laura Malcolm yeah, 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 done yeah, in yeah. Yeah. Um, Poy moving yeah. to wing attack yeah. Yeah. Sinclair in mm. that midcourt yeah. and that's why you know I, it, it's I'll be looking forward to seeing where they you know where they end up but they, they seem to be, each week be getting better and better yeah and I interviewed Poy at the end of that match on Monday night and I said you know do you feel as a team that you are making strides at every round and she did allude to that she said yeah well we were the team that had the most changes and she thinks that they're definitely improving and you know this is a rerun this round of round one and they're up against the stars and I think they have improved significantly can we just talk about Karen Berger and Jane Watson for a minute because oh my god Karen Berger I didn't know if she could take her game to another level honestly she's just like a powerhouse out there she's like she's like a netballer possessed when she sees ball and she goes for it and just her strength and her power and man she's impressive Karen Berger watching her play it's like she's the attacker who's taking the pass when she's getting an yeah, intercept. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's my ball, this is my pass. It's not an intercept I'm taking. I'm taking that path as if it's mine. And I watch her and I'm like, damn, I wish I could have watched her when I was playing and I would have loved yeah. to have tried that mentality because whatever she's doing, you're right, she's just a beast out on court. And her combination with Watson, who knew that it could get any better, um, but I'm absolutely loving watching the tactics. And, and getting balls so cleanly, cleanly, which in this day and age when you've got defenders and they're shoving and they're talking and, and you can see all the off the ball stuff, she doesn't do that. So to me that says she's done the work, she's fit, she can use her strength to come round the the body because she's you know she's done that she's done the work so I think she is a good example of you put the work in and you reap the benefits out on court so yeah she should she's definitely my first first pick in that silver fern squad. I've gone off topic here but that is another thing that scares me as well because I want her at goal defence and then I'm thinking who's going to play wing D for the ferns how are they going to pick a team mm. I know sorry we're not supposed to be talking about this <laughs> round four in but how, who do you pick as wing defence and how do you make your team work in, in that scenario? Well, they've tried a few, haven't they, at wing defence. I'm just trying to think back to the quad series. Um, the Windows was, is obviously the first first one that, that oh, springs to that mind. She's finally playing wing defence down at the With Heffernan in at centre and you'd think Heffernan could be this first, first pick centre. Well, that's the thing. Heffernan's gone to centre, so she's not your starting wing defence anymore. But then you look at Phoenix as well. Phoenix on a... You know, she has some really good games. She had a great quad series. What was it? Not the final, the one before that. The one before. She which, was outstanding. Yes, she was. And I think at times you've got the option of swinging cut into wing defence when when you want Phoenix at goal defence. So I must admit, I yeah. like Berger at wing defence. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, but I, I think she's better at goal defence. But yeah. the combination. Yeah. With but you love love yeah. her at goal defence. Love love her at goal defence, <laughs> and I just you know breaking up that conversation. Uh, sorry, combination feels counterproductive to me. Um, I love that you said the tactics are finding their groove, Jen. That's exactly what I had written down here. That attacking end is just finally working. I feel like Laura Malcolm is letting the ball go. I think she was a bit guilty of just turning and looking back to the transverse line um, too often. And Annie, you think that that. I've written that Tactics Stars game as my game of the round for round five, but you think Tactics are going to be too good? I think Tactics will be too good. Um, as you say, I just think they're starting to really build that momentum on attack. I think Dunn's providing a lot more um, availability at the back. Poise starting to really settle into her wing attack position. I again I asked her at the end of the match, I said, How are you finding wing attack? And she's actually really enjoying it now. She said she hated it. I know. Right? Round I one. know. <laughs> Amazing, eh? What a few games can do. So I think they're all just starting to find their feet. Uh, 
Um, and saying that, I think, you know, Stars have been a team for me that I have been pleasantly surprised. I wouldn't have had them in my top three um, at all, but I think, you know, that attack end is uh, doing some good stuff. Thao Thao came out and got some great ball, uh, but I certainly think the tactics, especially with Berger and, and Watson on form, I think they'll be too good for the Stars. Well, the team that I've been actually disappointed by is actually the Pulse, and I'm, yeah. I'm looking at their games and I'm thinking, now, what's... What's going wrong here? And I, I'm still not entirely sure, but I'll, um, I think I've got two of their games this week coming up. But I wonder, is there something not quite gelling in the midcourt or, you know, what's happening? I'm, I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll find out. But I think, you know, you say, yes, Stars Tactics, one of the um, round, uh, games of the round. I think that Pulse Mystics one will be too on Monday night. Yes, you're right, Jen. You've got two chances to see the Pulse in round five. But round four, like we said, three games were in that bonus point range. There was just the one blowout on Monday night. But we want to bring in former Silver Ferns coach Yvonne Willering now. She recently said in the media that drastic changes needed to be made to the ANZ Premiership. And we want to pick her brain about that. So kia ora, Yvonne. <laughs> yes, hello there. No, I didn't say drastic changes. <laughs> that was just the headline, OK? Oh. Yeah, but isn't... Hasn't the whole thing changed, though? I mean, here we were talking a couple of weeks ago, myself included, mm. you know, about how there was the big blowouts of the scores. And then last week we had three games that were in bonus points, only the last game wasn't. So suddenly it's a reversal and we're looking at it and going, oh, maybe we just need to retain the six teams, which we didn't say the other day. So if changes need to be made, Yvonne, in the ANZ Premiership or within New Zealand Netball, what, what would you do first? Uh, yeah, I actually would retain the six teams. I know that there was uh, talk going around, you know, to reduce the numbers. You know, and this is where I, I've, I guess I've had a change in thought about it. Um, sometimes I think maybe our standards and our expectations are just too high. And what I'm talking about is us commentators and uh, and coaches as well. Because when we analyse games, we, we look at, for instance, how the centre pass-offs go. We talk about stepping. We talk about the number of intercepts. So the spectator doesn't look that way. The spectator basically looks at, obviously, yes, the score, absolutely, and the shooting stats come into it. They want closeness in the scores, and uh, you know, and also there is discussion about the physical aspect about it. And many of the people only go really just to support their own team. So, you know, are we just being a bit too critical? And are we? Our expectations. I mean, I believe it's an elite competition, and maybe we just need to just come down a peg or two. And yeah, it is about retaining the 16th. But I would like to see something at the end of the competition. Now, what is that something? Well, you know, I mean, look, in the past, and we've spoken about the Australians, and like it's interesting, the Australians think that they've got the best league in the world. Let's keep that in perspective as well. They have an unlimited import uh, quality there. You know, they can have as many players as they want as import players. Is it in fact these import players that are adding to the high caliber, the high quality of the competition? And I think it is, because if you look at it, what how often do is mention made, and I know they've only had two rounds, but you've got the mention of the Fowlers, the Nelsons, the Hardens of the world. They're often mentioned, uh, you know, in commentary. And so, you know, is, is it, I'm not, saying it's solely based on them but it is it's really is very much about them as well and when you looked at the last Australian team when they didn't have Western in defensively they were struggling a little bit so you know maybe our standards are just a bit too high but having said that I would love to at the end of the competition and we've spoken about it heaps 
where we play the top two teams, our top two teams play against the top two teams from Australia, which means obviously that the two competitions need to be in alignment. And we may not do it during Commonwealth Games or World Champs because then you've got a time frame to consider as well. But wouldn't it be great to match our skills against our Australian counterparts? Yeah, we talk about that a lot on this show and within the netball circle here in, in New Zealand, that we do want that crossover of some sort. Kind of feels to me, Yvonne, like you're wearing two hats, like your ANZ Premiership hat where you want the competition to be elite and incredible, but, you know, you talk about imports. Are you saying that you think New Zealand should have more imports or will that be detrimental to our Silver Fern squad and, and our performance on the world stage? Yeah, I think what we need to do is keep it a little bit more in perspective. I can't believe I'm saying it, but to keep it a little bit more in perspective, I suppose, you know. And yes, I still believe in the leaf competition. And at the moment, no, we don't have that. We have players that come into it and they're what you can call them development, whatever. But some of them certainly have risen uh, to uh, to the challenge. And one of them is Paul Shooter, Wormsley. I mean, look at her. She's just growing from strength to strength in the competition. Whereas in game one, we would have said, oh, you know, a development player seeking opportunities and doing so. So, no, I'm not saying we need more imports. I, I don't think our teams have got one import per team. And that's our obviously our standards that we only allow one import player. Um, I don't have a problem with that. Um, it's just a question of, yeah. Our, our, uh, it's sad, uh, our, our standard's too high and maybe there needs to be another step from A and Z before the Silver Ferns. And in the past, we used to have like the Young Internationals, which we no longer have. So, you know, whilst I would like to see obviously an elite competition whereby when Dame Nolene Tarua can just pick the players and then put them in combinations without having to do necessary skill work. And I think she still has to do the skill uh, work as well. So, yeah, I think playing against our Australian uh, players, it'll give us a chance also to see exactly where we sit. Um, you know, we can say, oh, is their competition better? Are their players more intense in, in what they do than ours? And it will just give us a guideline. Um, and I don't see any reason why it can't happen. We used to do this, and maybe you're all too young, but many, many years ago in the provincial champs, and we used to have the provincials, we used to be great. You know, and at the end of that, and I remember uh, as Auckland coach, and we used to play the top Australian uh, state team and uh, in our particular era, it was New South Wales. And it was just a brilliant game. And we had two or three games against them at the end of the competition. And it would be great to have that similar thing where the two top teams from Australia come over or we go over there, whatever. And I know it's a funding issue, but what an opportunity for both countries without having it as Silver Ferns Australia. Interesting you talking about young internationals there, Yvonne. I mean, you probably won't remember that. That is such a blast from the past. The YIs, we used to be called. <laughs> I know what you're talking but, about. No, Stom probably wasn't yeah. born. But, you know, you talk about, we used to do the, remember we did the North, South, Central at the end of an, a national league. Do you think, why haven't Netball New Zealand made these changes? Are they resistant to change? Yeah, I think, obviously, the the... the Australian sector coming in, that was a lot of different issues that came about from that, and part of that was sponsorship issues as well. But yeah, I used to think this North-South was brilliant, you know, and I know we've both been involved in that, you know, and it was it was just great to see players, you're suddenly having to be in combination with one another, and also the public gets to see their best players uh, in action. And it was almost a trial situation, because often a Silver Fern squad was named after that, you know, and yeah, I don't think we do enough of that situation 
situation. And maybe if you if can't, if it's a situation where, you know, Nepal New Zealand or Nepal Australia, and Nepal Australia may not even want to go down the, the path of, of obviously playing against New Zealand teams. And I think part of that will also depend as to who wins the world champs as to, you know, where we go from that. But if we don't do that, well, then, okay, we have a situation. We have at the end of, of our, our comp ANZ competition, have our best mm-hmm. uh, 14 players in a, you know, uh, in, in a competition. Don't call it trials, but it's our best 14 players out on court against one another. And that's something else for the players then to aspire to. So those trials would be something that the public could go and watch because the thing, you know, to me, there's always so much um, discussion about, you know, where are we going to fit all these things in? And you mentioned, you know, would Australia even be interested? Who pays? I mean, they've got no money. Um, I, there's, a, there's a lot of questions to the, to the ideas that you're putting out. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I understand that. It's really great having the ideas, but somewhere along the line, like probably Nepal, New Zealand's going, yeah, whatever, you know, <laughs> don't have the funding for this sort of stuff. But, you know, again, that's a situation. Um, and, and I did sort of say only have two rounds in the competition. If that's a drastic change, mm. so be it. You know, and then at the end of that, that's that's the time frame when you can have your, your top 14 players, for instance, coming together in competition um, against one another. Just something different. I find it difficult to watch games three games in a row and, the you know, three against the same teams. Because what's happening is that you can have a loss, you can have two or three losses, and you can still make the finals, you know. So not every game is counting. And I think that every game in our competition should mean something. But you've seen it in the past, you know, teams have had two or three losses, and yet they're still there. And I know teams are saying right now, well, anyway, we get another couple of chances to have a go at you. Well, you know, I I would just like to see that every game has meaning. And at the moment, I just don't think it does. It's always a polarising conversation and people have their opinions on whether we should combine again and whether we shouldn't. I mean, it's been this way since 2017 that the ANZ Premiership has been separate from Australia. We obviously went away and won the World Cup in 2019. Do you think Netball New Zealand and, and, you know, Netball punters in New Zealand are kind of resting on their laurels that, you know, we did it for two years and we won the World Cup so we don't need Australia back? Yeah, it's a tricky one because if you have a look at it, all our conversations, um, and, you know, certainly at the elite level, is all based on the Silver Ferns winning the world champs. And it is, you know, can we win the world champs? And that's what we're discussing. And the answer is yes, we, we can. But uh, be very careful because I know Jamaica will be right up there, as obviously is Australia. But Jamaica is a concern to me because they've got, what, six players in the in the Suncorp Super League playing at the moment. So they're getting really good experience. And imagine if they also, some of them also ended up playing at the end of the season over here. So, you know, they are very, very strong. But, yeah, I think that, yep, we are... Basing a lot on that uh, elite level, where we're talking about the, the Silver Ferns winning. If they don't win, ugh, then I think certainly it'll be a situation where we're going to look at ourselves. But I think that needs to be done constantly, you know, about it. and we need to look at it every time and not just have it result based. Speaking of the Silver Ferns winning the World Cup, who has caught your eye four rounds in in the ANZ Premiership in terms of Silver Ferns that are putting their hand up? 
Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting, you know, we talk about it as to, uh, and it depends, like, uh, Berger is an example for that. Is she going to play goal defence? Is she going to play wing defence? And she's she's great at both positions, to be fair. Right now, defensively, the Watson-Berger combination in circle probably is the best. Uh, they will take Kelly Jury, I believe, because of her height. I think she's actually got a slow start to the season. If you have a look at it within Pulse, she starts off really slow and then develops as the game goes on. Can't have that. But I think that uh, there won't be too many players selected that only have one position to their name. And you saw that with Fitzpatrick. Uh, she was obviously plays goalkeeper. Uh, she, at the moment, I won't say is a certainty, but that's where uh, she's also been playing wing defence. Now, initially, when she played wing defence for the Mystics, I'm going, what is this about? But I think that is like looking for a second position. And I know mention's been made that Phoenix Karaka can also play wing defence. So, you know, who's the best wing defence? It'll be Berger, uh, closely followed by, I believe, Kate Heffernan. So at the moment, I think that uh, I'd say nine Eight or nine players are pretty much confirmed they can pack their suitcases. So what about, if you're saying positions, what about Gina Crampton, Peter Toyava? They are pretty much solely wing attacks. Would you take two of them? No, probably not. Again, that's a situation where I think Crampton will go, obviously. Uh, Well, not obviously, but, you know, as captain. And she does a lot of work off the court as well. You know, she's really, really good at bringing a team together. So, no, I don't think they will take too many players that will only have one position to their name. But similarly, like a goalkeeper, they won't take two specialist goalkeepers as well. Uh, they can't afford to do that. They're only going to have 12 players. Uh, you know, And you've got a situation where you can say, oh, yeah, but they've got easy games leading into the semifinals. And some of them should be relatively easy games. But it's also an opportunity to get your combinations together. And at the moment, yes, you've got set combinations playing within the ANZ, but that could change. Like Grace Nowicki, who's going to come up? Who's she going to come up with? And at the moment, obviously, I believe Amelia and Ignacio. That's the combination they'll go with. You know, and you can say, yep, Tuiava is the best feeder to Grace Nowicki. Yes, she is obviously in the Mystics, but you're not going to, uh, you know, necessarily take her over Crampton. So I think they're looking at, yes, combinations, but also, um, you know, they don't want too many players that are real specialists. And that's why Tuiava, for instance, as we mentioned, be quite good just to see her play centre as well. Is that why you think that Wacky went out for that little stint at goal attack in that first <laughs> round? <laughs> but what I want to ask is... So no, that's, that's no. <laughs> so that's your team, but, you know, I think um, Nolene Tarua off contract after this World Cup. Who's the next one? Uh, yeah, let's not just rule her out here. Um, you know, it's and I think it will... I, I'm not sure. Will it depend on whether she wins or not? Maybe it does, and only she can answer that one. Uh, you know, and it's been a long stint for her. It's a lot of lot of pressure. You know, like uh, uh, everyone sort of says, you know, in Nolan we trust. That's a that puts a lot of pressure on a coach. You know, and at the end of the day, it's the players out on court. At the moment, who would step up? I probably would say Yvette because in jury, I think that uh, she's she's well not done her time, but I find it interesting that this is her last year with the Pulse. So, you know, what is in store for her next? Is it family? Is it other commitments? You know, and again, time will tell on that. But probably um, she would be the next most experienced uh, person out there. Um, Yeah, 
Yes, she would be, actually. Um, there are others, obviously, that will come out of the woodwork, but I think certainly it'll be someone from this country and not from overseas, because even in the ANZ, you know, one of the criteria is that the head coaches had to be from this country. Do you think the depth in coaching in, in our country is good at the moment? Because that's obviously a conversation that comes up every year, but we've seen Tia Winakiri step up for the Mystics, Vianga Bloxham's heading over to Wales to help out with their World Cup campaign. Do you feel like we're in good stead for whoever is going to be filling and up shoes? And we've got Bubby in the Gold yeah. Coast. Bubby in the Gold Coast, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Bubby. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, and I think these overseas stints are great for them. Like, I find it interesting with Rienga, like when she was interviewed, she mentioned, you know, it, it's great learning experience for her. But they haven't really brought her over there. They're not bringing her over there um, uh, to learn. They brought her over for her experience, you know. But, but yeah, mm. of course she's going to go over there to gain experience, you know. She's she really hasn't done a lot outside this country. Um, but just because you go over, for instance, um, and, I, and I had a stint with Fiji, but just because you go over and you play, you coach in different countries doesn't mean to say when you come back that makes you the best coach for a particular team. Are we doing enough for our coaches? Well, you tell me what else we can do for them. Obviously, I would love to see... Um, I love to see coach umpiring seminars happen where it's both practical and theory uh, situations. But at the end of the day, it's really about that responsibility and taking a team throughout the season. And that's what's happening with us now. So I don't think we can do much more. But having said that, you know, when you asked who's who's the next pe person or people available for the Silver Ferns, I didn't mention a lot of people because, again, that inexperience factor. Yep. Okay. I was just going to ask, Yvonne, you mentioned that the head coaches for the ANZ Premiership have to be from New Zealand. Was that a rule that was put in once Julie Fitzgerald left the Magic? Yeah, I didn't actually know that. And that's why, uh, like with the Mystics, with Rob Wright, uh, you know, because I assumed he would take the head coaching role, uh, you know, and that was never going to happen. And it was then that I that I found out that, uh, you know, they, they, the head coaches are from New Zealand. I don't know if that's a written rule or whether that's just a stipulation that has been made. Um, I like it. Um, you know, but it's really difficult to get then get a coach from and a qualified, experienced coach from overseas to take uh, a lesser role as an assistant. And certainly, Rob's done that, and they're making the most of that uh, because he's also attached to Jamaica, and I believe he's going with them. You know, to the world champs. So, yeah, I would like to see that rule stay. Otherwise, how are we going to gain that experience? You know, and you can say, oh, you can learn it as an assistant coach. No, it's not the same learning. It's like a player sitting on the bench. Are they going to learn there as much as they will learn actually actively being out on court? And the answer is no, you've got to be involved. Talking about learnings, there's a bit of controversy in the weekend uh, in the SSN in Australia with. Uh, the Vixens Magpies games. Are you all over that one where they got two yeah. centre passes in a row? Yeah, tell me about that one. And it was really funny, eh, because um, Nicole Richardson, I know her quite well, and I, I wish that I'd seen it because she would have just come out so strong because she was the coach of the other team. Yeah, but that should never have, well, it happened and that does happen. But, you know, it should have been addressed at the time because yeah. the, the bench does stipulate who sent a pass off it was, you know, who, who it is. And when they actually made mention to the umpire, apparently, don't forget, not there, but when they made mention, you know, the umpire didn't want a bar of it. And that's interesting. It's a bit similar to that, that uh, well, that toss-up that we had when the ball was actually scored, you know, and so, you know, that's something that came up here. But I 
find that slightly different in the fact that the score bench always indicates. So did the score bench not stop the game? I don't know what happened there. But, yeah, I'd be livid with that because at the end it was, what, a, a bonus point, uh, you know, a goal, a two-pointer that won the game for the Vixens. And, look, every point, and that's what they've said, every point counts. So, you know, what do you do? And, can you, you know, you don't want to replay the game. Do you call it a draw? It's a bit like that other game they had, wasn't it, you know, when they had a power cut in that yes. game. That game. <laughs> Well, stopped at half time and it was declared a draw. And I'm going, well, you know, they've got their issues at the moment as well. So, well, not as well. But yeah, comp's great. I just wonder, though, if you have to remember, you know, heat of the moment, dying few minutes, um, you know, pace of the game, mistakes happen. We all make them, you know, commentary, coaches, players, the whole shebang. Uh, and I just wonder if you, as, as long as you learn from it and have, you know, a process put in place. I see, you know, I think Catherine Cox is somebody who's saying, you know, they should declare the game a draw and take it back. But I don't think you can. I think you just have to move on. It's the precedent, doesn't it, doesn't it, really, for umpire calls or anything? Yeah, and we tend to focus on, uh, like, the scores or whatever where it really counts. Like, for instance, that toss-up we did, it didn't count anyway. We got the ball back, so let it go, you know. But... In this situation, that one-pointer, you know, the difference between winning and losing could count for them. Yes, that's we focus on that, uh, but, you know, do we focus on other errors that are made during the game? No, we don't. So I, I am with you. You know, you've got to let it go and get on with it. And I remember one game I was involved with right towards the end. Actually, it involved Kath Cox. And right at the end, um, you know, uh, my def the defender was penalised. was actually Billy Minor Darby was penalised. She was nowhere near Kath Cox. Kath Cox <laughs> shot the winning goal. Of course you know? she did. And we're looking at that. And, but had that happened during the game, we would have been angry, but what the hell? We just would have carried on. But because it was at a critical moment, it counts. And yes, you're right. We all make mistakes, uh, you know, so it, it's just a learning experience. But at times, yeah, you know, coaches are judged on results. And that's why I think the coach went, uh, you know, I was going to say as mental, but yeah, she was pretty, pretty annoyed about the whole situation. No, well, you can't blame Nicole Richardson there at all. We could open that debate because I know, Jean, you've got some views on human error and how it works in sport. But that is all we've got time for today, Yvonne. Thank you so much for your um, conversation, your ideas. We love your passion for the sport and hope you enjoy the rest of the ANZ Premiership season. And let's hope we have close games. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Yvonne. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. Thanks, Yvonne. Gosh, she's great, isn't she? Isn't that a fun chat? And thank you, you two, for joining me today. Um, really looking forward to round five. What game are you doing, Jen? I'm in Wellington. I've got two. Oh, of course. You've yes. got both Pulse, pulse and Pulse. Like, yes. Oh, header. Will you cope? Well, I, I <laughs> How's your aerobic I, fitness? I think I might. <laughs> and I've Annie? been I'm on Pulse Mystics Monday night. Oh, That'll be great. good. Yeah, lots of great rounds, uh, games to look forward to in round five. But that is all from us here on Inside Netball. We'll catch you next time on Sky Sport.